Welcome into the Touchdown Rundown once again. I'm your host, Tom Zwiller. I'm joined by the incomparable Tony Nometi. It's been a few days since we last came to you back when we did some Zelo model reactions to the NFL schedule release, and I have an incredibly important announcement. Tony, do you know what it is? Uh, no, I, I, I actually don't. What is what is this great announcement? So I think it will it will change the entirety of both the show and the Zelo model that we use. So I have actually decided to change its name. Okay, what do we change the name to? So it's now Z, capital Z, lowercase e, capital L, capital O. So it's Zelo. So there's no difference in how it reads or how it sounds. I guess it, I guess it reads differently, but it sounds the same. So it'll just have a little e. I did that as a nod to the actual ELO model for which it's based, and just as a nice little cold open here so you guys could laugh as my important change actually means nothing. Isn't it funny? Wow, okay. I mean, all right, Tom, (laughs) your model, man. You get to to decide how it's named. I do indeed. So one of the podcast formulas that we did last season that we really enjoyed um, and that was really informative to both of us as analysts and fans and that helped to form inform both us and the audience better uh, was the deep dive. So to give you guys on call in a little summary, the deep dive is actually where we go in, we examine pretty much every single roster move made, and we give you the import what we deem the important relevant statistics about how teams performed last season and how we should be expecting them to perform next season. And then, as we always have kind of done with these deep dives, you know, we look at the important stuff. So the, we look at their schedule. And we kind of give them, okay, we're expecting you to have a floor of 9 and 8 and a ceiling of 11 and 6. And then eventually when when we're done, this will take about eight episodes. It's kind of a long collaborative effort between Tony and myself. At the end of all of that, we'll then come together and we'll do our mock playoffs. And last year, I believe we had the Chiefs and the Rams competing in the Super Bowl. So we were really close. And we we, we scored pretty well as far as picking division winners and picking teams that made the playoffs. We definitely had some misses, like the Browns. Uh, we had them making the playoffs. But beyond that, you know, I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah, no, I agree. I, do, I definitely like doing these deep dives. and they, uh, We learn a lot of new stuff when we do these things. Yeah, we do. I mean, look, there's so much going on in the moment that it's kind of hard to figure out what's important. Okay, the Dolphins just traded up for this pick, then they traded down for this pick. What does it mean? But when we get to the summer and there's a lot less going on, um, you know, it's a lot easier to focus in on what's important and kind of discard the noise. And so I think that's what these deep dives let us do. The further we get away from the regular season and the further we get away from the postseason and the draft and free agency, the the more clear the picture becomes on how we should be able to project these teams to do. Now, granted, and this is an important caveat, we don't know everything, so we're not going to do these divisions in order or any kind of order based on, you know, us waiting for news to kind of drop. For example, we're not going to do the AFC North for a while, and we didn't do the AFC South until the very end of last season. But we thought the best place would be to start would be the AFC East, and it's not because it's the first spot on the ESPN standing list, but because it actually has the potential to be one of the most chaotic divisions, and you can interpret it in a lot of ways. That, and it actually was the first spot on the ESPN standings list. <laughs> um, so, Tony, do you want to give your little predictive order at the top of the show? Uh, yeah, sure, I can do that. Um, for me personally, I think everybody can kind of agree that uh, Bills are probably going to be number one. They're going to be winning the division. Jets are probably going to be dead last, even though they did have a great draft. Mm-hmm. 
then it just kind of comes down to Dolphins and Patriots, and that's a really tough one for me. Uh, I could see either one. Uh, it's I don't know if I can pick a definitive favorite at this point. I think if I had to, I would switch up a little bit, and uh, I'd go Dolphins at the two and Patriots three, because I, I do really like the, the, the pieces that they've added, and I do believe in that Young Dolphins Young Dolphins defense, um, but I, it's going to be so close. I can't doubt Belichick too much. I never can. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm definitely in concurrence. I think that it would be really shocking for the Bills to not be arguably the favorite in this division and possibly one of the favorites to win the AFC East just because of how dominant they've been the past couple of seasons and how really they've only gotten better. And we'll get into that in a second. I actually, I kind of zigged. I know Tony was like, eh, you can't doubt Belichick, so I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I actually am going to doubt Belichick. I have some serious questions about this team's offense going forward. And so I actually took the Dolphins because as bad as the Dolphins' offense was at times last season, one, new coaching staff, we'll get into that. Two, they you know they were injured. I believe Tua missed a good chunk of games, and that was during their really bad losing streak. And three, I think that the Dolphins' defense has the capability to stay where it was last season as the offense will improve. Whereas with the Patriots, yes, I believe that their defense will be just as good, if not better, because that is Belichick's specialty, and that is where Belichick kind of thrives and can find advantages in the margins. But I have strong questions about this Patriots offense, and I don't think that the Patriots offense is going to improve year over year. And then, of course, sorry, Jets, like you're last, but I think it'll be a lot closer than it was last season. Yeah, in fairness, uh, I think the Jets have done a good job in giving their fans something to look forward to, but we can get to that later. Yeah, no, we can. It is time. So as as we did last year, I know this is new for, for your calling, guys, so it's a little bit of a new process, but as we did last year, what we do is we descend fr- uh, from the standings. So we're going to do Bills, Patriots, then the Dolphins, and then the Jets. And so as we do those, you know, if you're if you're maybe a huge Dolphins fan, you know, you can kind of fast forward and look around for it in the podcast or maybe you're a really big Bills fan and you just you want to listen to the first hour. Now, personally, if I was a fan of any one division, I would listen to them all to kind of have an idea of how my competition is going to be doing. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just giving you different ways that you can, in fact, listen. So let's start with the Bills because they obviously were one of the best teams in football last year. And so we have some little fast facts for you, Tony. So do you want to do those right at the top and then get into it or do those as they kind of come up more organically? Uh, let's do those at the top and just kind of uh, let's just kind of give like a general overall breakdown of the team. We can we can do we can do these little fast facts you have here. Perfect. Yes, yeah, so I think this is a really good way to kind of just get you in the right mindset. So so Mel's draft grade for the Bills was a B, pretty good. You know, average. It's a B. It's nothing special. Now ESPN's PFI rank or Power Football Index rank is actually first, and it helps with their strength of schedule. Is only twelfth, despite being one of the better teams with a better finish last year. Now, their positional needs are cornerback, linebacker, and, and running back, and we'll get into if they address those in a bit. Their cap space is $5.6 million, so they don't have a ton left, but the, you know, I would imagine that this is kind of, as we get into the later summer months, the roster is pretty in, set in stone already, so that is just a little bit flexible in case they need to sign on somebody for injuries, maybe. Now, they do have a dead cap of $16.5 million, which is concerning, but you know, those are just kind of the amalgamation of some contracts that they cut. For various reasons. Now, there's a stat that's called cap health, or I'm calling it cap health. So what the idea is, is that your top three paid players should not make up more than 30% of your roster. 
And the idea behind that is that you kind of need to spread the love throughout the entirety of the roster. And if you have three really top-heavy players, that is a problem. You can't, you just can't have that. And the Bills' cap health is 24%, so they're cap healthy. Um, now, lineups last year had them number had them as the number one defense and the number four offense. And by DVOA, which is that football outsiders metric that we love here, had them as number one. Their finish, of course, was in the semis against the Chiefs in possibly the craziest playoff game of all time. Their Zelo record uh, rank right now is currently number four. And their record is 10.8 and 6.2. So they should be arguably an 11-win team. Their head coach is Sean McDermott. He's been there for a while. And then they have Ken Dorsey and Leslie Frazier, uh, offensive and defensive coordinator, respectively. So let's dive into the analysis, Tony. What did you? How do you feel about the Bills? I know we kind of talked about it already, but how do you feel overall? So in my opinion, they're actually they're going to be the clear favorite to win this division again this year. Uh I'm not sure if I want to say that Josh Allen is going to get better than he is. Uh, Not saying that he can't be better than he has been, but he's just already so good, you know. And uh, I think that he's he's kind of leveled out in touchdown production. 37 touchdowns in 2020, 36 last season. So hovering about the same. I think that's uh, more more or less what we kind of expect from him going forward. But the only noticeable thing that I did see, and this is kind of a negative that he could he could fix, I think, relatively easily, is we did see a noticeable jump in interceptions from 10 to 15 uh, in those same years of 2022 last year. So I, I do think that if he's going to see improvement, it's going to be this year. The Bills did a really good job of signing some uh, veteran receivers. They got Tavon Austin, and they got a younger but still plenty experienced Jamison Crowder. So I think the Bills have actually given him quite a few more weapons. The one thing that I am a little bit concerned about because I would like to see him get more action is tight end Dawson Knox. So I think that he did well in the targets that he got last year. He just didn't get that many. And unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be his year because of those receivers that they have added. I don't think that uh, that's really going to happen, even though he, I think he could be a really, really solid weapon on the defensive side. I have no doubt this squad is going to be as awesome as ever. They drafted a solid corner in the first round who could potentially start very soon. But uh, I think that the Bills kind of drafted for depth just because this team is already so good. Pretty much no matter who you bring in is going to have to fight very, very hard to get a starting position. So I think that the Bills have kind of just tried to make sure that if anybody does get injured, they have a guy that they can put in and trust somewhat. So I think they drafted you know, the corner. They drafted a linebacker in the third round who also has shown big potential in college, but he's likely going to be another depth move. The Bills, they kind of appear to draft for depth across the board. Uh, it looks like through the first five rounds, they went cornerback, running back, linebacker, wide receiver. They didn't have a fourth-round pick, so that's why there's only four picks in five rounds. But it just seems like they kind of went you know, defense, offense, defense, offense, trying to get some players in, really just predicting for injuries because they don't really have a whole lot of weaknesses. They kind of... They shored up their wide receiver room in the offseason with some uh, free agents, which I do think was the right move. And then at the draft, they can kind of just play around with whoever they like. So I really do like this team. Yeah, no, the Bills feel like an incredibly strong team. So, and, and unfortunately for Bills fans, it feels like it's the easiest to analyze because their expectations are very clearly Super Bowl or bust, right? Like this, they have knocked on the door and run into the Chiefs and they just need to get past the Chiefs. And I feel like they could very easily be a Super Bowl team. And in fact, you know, Zelo picked them to make the Super Bowl, which was the craziest part is that I was so close to being, I feel like we were so close to having Bills Rams and that would have been an equally awesome Super Bowl too. And honestly, I probably would have picked the Bills in that. 
And so those expectations have not changed for me. I expect them to once again be in the hunt for an AFC championship and a Super Bowl appearance. And my real question is just, it, it really is, it's it's less about Josh Allen. I expect him to be good. I expect him to to possibly win an MVP this year. I think he has the he has the potential. Um, and it's like Tony kind of talked about my, uh, you know, he, he liked that they brought in depth at the wide receiver position. I actually, I don't really like what they did as far as wide receivers go. I do like that they added Jamison Crowder, but I think they're going to miss Cole Beasley. And I know that Cole Beasley a little bit got into a spot of controversy about the COVID vaccine. And so I think that the Bills probably just wanted to let go of the headache instead of bringing the headache back. But I honestly think Diggs and Beasley were an absolutely dynamic duo. And I, I wanted them to come back. I personally liked Emmanuel Sanders. And maybe if his number was too high, you don't want to bring him back. But I liked those three together. I do think Crowder will be a good a good role player too. I think he's going to get some good numbers and I like OJ Howard as the nice addition at tight end, but I just, overall, I do think that the passing game maybe got a little bit worse overall um, at the wide receiver position. I also am worried about the offensive line. So it was a top eight pass blocking unit, according to ESPN's win block percentage um, or pass block, excuse me, pass block win rate, but it was 23rd as a rushing unit. And so that kind of, that kind of worries me a little bit. Now I do think that, the fact that they brought in David Kiesenberry and Roger Saffold, they're both above 30, but they both played over 70% of the Titans' offensive snaps. So I think that they will be good replacements. I do just worry overall about maybe the early on, maybe a little bit of rust and a lack of chemistry because I think that Bills unit had been together for a while. And I worry about their overall rushing abilities because I feel like they put a little bit too much pressure on the pass to really do it for them. And I know they've got a good passing game. But it's, you know, I feel like it makes them a little bit predictable because you're not scared of the run. You are scared of Josh Allen as far as a rushing threat goes, but you're not, I don't think, worried about any of the backs in particular. Yeah, I do think that that's fair. Um, I think this team is kind of, there's a lot of teams that are trying to build around, you know, we have a passing game, we have a run game, but we want you to be scared of both of them. And the Bills seem like they're kind of just buying into the whole you know, we're going to be a pass team. We're not even really going to try to run that hard. Mm-hmm. And we're not even going to try to show that we're going to run that hard. We're just confident enough in our passing game that we can do it. And I think that for most teams, that's a terrible way to go. I think that is absolutely not a good way to go. But the Bills have such a good defense, they don't really need to get that many points per game because that defense isn't going to allow that many points per game. So I do think that even if you're a defense that is going against the Bills, and you are 100% going against the pass, you're focusing that all the way. If the Bills put up two or three touchdowns in a game on you, which in today's league, you know, it's, it's a decent amount. It's nothing crazy, I guess, but your def- their defense is not going to give up that many usually. So I think that you can get 11, 12 wins if you're the Bills, if your defense stays as elite as it is with just Josh Allen and your guys not really focusing on the run game, just perfecting the pass. I think that could be a formula for success now. I don't think it's a long-term formula for success because, you know, obviously you're not going to be the number one defense forever. But as of right now, I do think it could work for a couple of years. No, for sure. And I think, too, part of it is just that maybe they aren't the best rushing game, but Josh Allen is just such a destructive force on legs. I mean, there have been times where, where they played the Patriots, and Josh Allen really did just kind of torch the Patriots' defense. And so I think Allen running probably helps a little bit. Again, it's just, it's like with that offense, I feel like you can nitpick, like being like, okay, you have one of the best wide receivers in football, but I'm not in love with your depth is kind of a nitpick. Well, you have a, re- you have a dynamic rushing quarterback who's going to help you with the run game, but I maybe, I'm a little skeptical on your 
O-line. Like, I feel like those are kind of nitpicks. So, again, I expect this Bills offense to be dynamic. And I think, like, very easily Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. And my question for you, Tony, is Zelo currently has him as the third best quarterback in the AFC. Six overall. Does that seem fair for someone of Josh Allen's ability? <sighs> does that feel low? I think that might be a little low. I think... And there's, it's kind of tough because every time I think like, oh my gosh, he's at number six, that is so low. But then you look at the quarterbacks in the NFL we have right now, and there are a lot of really solid guys. So I think that that's personally too low. I would, I guess I would ask who's above him. Well, so, I mean, I, this one feels like kind of obvious. In the AFC, it's just Patrick Mahomes and, and uh, Justin Herbert. Wow, okay. So it's taking Justin Herbert over Josh Allen. I don't hate that, actually. It's kind of a... I'm sure a lot of people would be like, oh my gosh, Josh Allen's been, he's running so deep in the playoffs and the Bills team is so good, but quarterback to quarterback, I actually I actually kind of like that. I think Justin Herbert might be a little bit over Josh Allen right now. It's a hot take for sure, and I think that that's like, I think that this would be, a, this is going to totally be an ESPN se- like C-block segment in July where it's going to be like, there are three quarterbacks in the AFC, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. If you could start your franchise with one of them right now, who would you take? Yeah, no, that's pretty much how it's going to be. Yeah, and so um, so I, I I made a mistake. So Josh Allen's actually fifth. He's behind Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. Okay, I think that's fair. I think top five is what I would have generally put him at. Uh, so I think that he's a really, really good quarterback. He is phenomenal. But there are also quite a few other really, really good quarterbacks that are phenomenal. So I do think that that's a fair spot to put him in. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, evaluate him however you want. I feel like saying your top five is a pretty high compliment when you're in the 1% of the 1% who do your thing. Um, okay, so let's let's move to the Bills' defense then because I know we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I'd like to go in a little bit more in depth. So personally, I think the Bills' front seven basically stayed pat if they didn't do a lot better. So they lost Harrison Phillips, who I think was a key interior defensive lineman, and Vernon Butler. Those guys played some significant snaps. But they did add Von Miller, which is always a pretty good sign, and Daquan Jones. So I think I would anticipate both of them are going to be huge contributors. Jones, I like in particular from when he was on the Panthers. I think he'll do very well with the Bills. And I do think that the secondary is going to miss Levi Wallace. He played 92% of their the Bills defensive snaps this season before going to the Steelers. So he's going to be missed, but not missed too much, I think, about halfway through the season or so. I think uh, Kair Alam, the rookie quarterback taken in the first round, I think he's going to work out for the Bills, but I do think there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve, but I think that he's going to be in good company in that secondary. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I, I, I just agree. <laughs> Perfect, I love it. Uh, where do you think Zelo has the Bills defense ranked in the NFL and then within their own conference in the entire NFL. Ooh, that's a good question. The bills, they have to be, I mean, who are the other really good teams? There's Buffalo, New England, Denver saints. I think Buffalo is going to be, I'm going to say top two, not two, number one. Okay. I think, I definitely think you're, you're on the right track. You forgot somebody important though. Who did I forget? The Steelers. Oh, really? Are we really doing this? What do you mean? Are we really doing this? It's it's what the it's what the model says. I mean, I don't I don't particularly agree with the model on this one. I think the Steelers really. Are, I think the Steelers are hyper overrated. Well, like, to be like, fair, it's it's like the 
the decimal difference is like 0.10, so it's a slight difference, <laughs> and it may change. Um, but right now, the Steelers are slightly better than the Bills, and then the Bills are second in both the NFL and the AFC. Okay, so this is going to be... This could be a potentially nuclear take right here. So I'm looking at, I've been looking at lineups. That's a website that Tom and I love to use on the show. And uh, lineups has a little bit of a different story to tell. Lineups actually has the Pittsburgh Steelers as the 20th offense in, or defense in the NFL. Is that last season or is this a projection? That, is, that was last season. But I don't think that... That's a hot take. I don't think that I necessarily i don't mean i don't love that take i don't think they're 20th but i don't think that they're top five i really don't i think that i would take the bills patriots broncos saints and bucks over the steelers right now because if you look at the steelers last season their biggest knock was actually they were dead last in rush yards 26th in rush attempts like they they were not able to stop the run well at all they were arguably the worst at stopping the run so I just don't think that I like the Pittsburgh Steelers. I really don't like them top five, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's not the greatest take in the world. You have to remember kind of the premise with the model is that it's going to reward teams who get sacks and turnovers primarily. And so the Steelers are one of the best sacking teams, and one of I believe they may be actually just the best stop at 55.3 is the ESPN projection with, I believe, 16 interceptions. So those aren't small figures. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't. I can't think of a reason why I would put the Steelers over the Bills personally. Yeah, I mean, and you don't have to. It's just it's what the the model's saying. I do think that the yardage is a problem. And to give the listeners a little bit of context, by the DSRS, which is the Defensive Simple Rating System, it's the metric used by Pro Football Reference. The Steelers are point one. so they're slightly above average. So I think what you said twenty fourth earlier. Twenty fourth is I think a little bit blasphemous, but I don't think it's unfair to say they're like. 15th or 16th yeah i i think i might put them outside the top 10 myself they're they're ranked below seattle wow yeah i mean that's also lineups though i'm not i i know you love lineups defensively i don't love lineups defensively i think it puts too much weight on points yeah that's fair i guess it 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 does say pittsburgh was 30th in points which makes sense so yeah i mean that'll sandbag anybody and to be fair it is a huge problem but i also think that how bad that offense was kind of put the defense in bad spots so that's just that's just my take but this is not the steelers this is the bills so are you ready to do our favorite part of the deep dive and it's march through 17 games and make split second decisions about the win-loss record that will come back to either haunt us or make us feel really good about ourselves and we basically just flipped a coin (laughs) all right so uh, a little update for the audience. So how this works is we can pick three options. So there's win, there's loss, and then there's the thing that's called the tag that was basically a monster of a headache. But it was us going, huh, this game seems kind of important, but I got no idea who's going to win it because I cannot project that far into the future. So we're just going to give it a tag, which is half win, half loss. And it kind of was a way to say, okay, if the tags go right, this team can do X. And if the tags go wrong, this team will be X. So those are the three options. You only get four tags per team. It's a way to prevent us kind of from chickening out and just saying, okay, all of it's a tag. (laughs) So it's our limit. So let's begin in week one. The Bills open up the season at the Rams. Well, in a perfect use of the tag, I'm going to throw a tag (laughs) at this game. I wondered if you'd throw a tag on it. And yeah, I'm going to chicken out and agree with you that it should be a tag. Okay, Tennessee. Win. 
Absolutely. That feels like a slam dunk win. Yep. How about Miami? Win. But also win. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, okay. I, like at- I don't know if I like them that much. No, that's fair enough. And we'll get into why that is in a second. It's a little, little good little tease for you. Okay. At Baltimore. So I know you're a lot higher on this team than I am. So I'm going to say a fairly easy win. I will also say a win, but I don't think it'll be easy. Okay. All right. Pittsburgh. Okay. Win. No, no chance that the Bills. Yeah, I, I don't trust the Steelers' offense. I know that the Steelers actually beat the Bills in Week One, but I don't like. I don't. I don't see that happening again. It was a fairly shocking win, to be honest. Okay, at Kansas City, let's throw the tag on it, Tom. Ah, uh, yes, the cowards move, and I am a coward. All right, Green Bay. I'm gonna tag this one too, honestly. I thought you would, so I don't. I don't hate it. Okay, let's go to the Jets. Um. I don't know, Tom. Should we tag this one? Oh, I think you got it. No, no, it's a win. It's a, it's a, it should be a very strong win. Yep. Minnesota, win. Okay, interesting, interesting. Cleveland, win. I was, I, I feel like this is one we may come back to in a little bit and say, okay, we want to tag this one because we don't, we still don't know about Deshaun Watson's eligibility. But for now, let's say it's a win and assume that it's just because the Bills are at home and slightly better than the Browns overall at Detroit. Well, I did. Well, actually, on that note, oh, go ahead. the reason that I'm throwing Cleveland as such a win right now is because there have been two major things that I have heard. One yeah. is that Deshaun Watson could potentially be suspended for the entire NFL season. And two is with the 24th allegation that is brought up, Cleveland yeah. completely nullify the contract and let him go without a, without harm, essentially. Which would genuinely be incredible. Okay, at Detroit? Win. All righty, at New England? I feel like they should split with New England. Okay, so the at New England is a loss. So we'll say this one's a loss, and we'll say week 18's the win. Okay, I don't hate that. New, uh, the New York Jets at home? Win. <laughs> uh, Miami at home. Should Miami split with them? We can go retroactively back and make Miami... Actually, I think, realistically, if there were to be a Miami win, it would be later on as they kind of get a feel for the offense. I don't hate saying this is a loss and having them split, honestly. Okay. And then at Chicago. Win. At Cincinnati. Win. Win. Even even with the Bengals? I think that the Bengals are going to regress fairly, a fair amount from the kind of their Super Bowl run that they just had. So I think they're going to mm-hmm. be solid. But, I mean, I just, I'm buying into this Bills team a lot. Yeah, no, fair enough. I think it's a good team to buy into. Let's go on prediction strike. There we go. All right, so I believe that puts the Bills as a 12-2-3 team, and so obviously the rule with the tags is we take them, divide them in half, and we give them half of those points go to wins and half of those points go to losses. So that turns out to a total of 13.5 wins. And how many losses is that, Tony? That's going to be one, two, three and a half. Yeah, three and a half. Okay, so we have once again set this bar incredibly high for the Bills. Guys, don't disappoint us, please. My professional integrity and, let's face it, uh, any any kind of like faith that people have in me rests on every single <laughs> split-second decision that I have done in June. June 7th, 223, people are going to come back to this episode and they're going to say, How dare you tag 
the Kansas City Chiefs in week six against the Bills. Clearly the Chiefs were the better. How am I supposed to know? It was June, man. <laughs> I got nothing. It was June. Oh, 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 this is also all predicated on the season being fairly like normal, I guess you could say. Last season, there was a lot of upsets, a lot of crazy games. So that obviously threw off a lot of the things that we had said. But I think in a you know, in a perfect world, if you're looking at which team is strictly better than the other team, that is what we're gonna we're gonna stick with what we have here. Yeah, I can't wait for Miami to go two and fifteen, and we have them splitting with the Bills in Week fifteen. <laughs> hey, but if but if one of those wins one of those wins is against the Bills, and we're right. Yeah, no, we we get we get to cherry pick both how right we were and how wrong we were, and obviously, yeah. I think you all know what what, what we what would you what would you do in this situation? I think we know what you would do in this situation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's turn over to the Patriots because we spent an ungodly amount of time on the Bills, as we tend to do with these really fun, good teams. We spent way too much time on them, and of course, as a result. We don't. We spend about thirty seconds on the Jets and just say, "Ah, eh, you're three and fourteen, and move on with our lives." Um, okay, so as we did with the at the top of the show with the Patriots, we are going to give them your their quick little fast facts. So the Patriots got a very bad grade, a C plus grade, in fact, and we're going to go into why that is in a bit. By Pro Football, uh, by the Power Football Index, they were fifteenth. So that's ESPN telling you the Bills are the fifth, uh, the Patriots are the fifteenth best team in the NFL, which is kind of crazy because their strength of schedule is sixteenth. It's middle of the road, so the Patriots are a middle of the road team playing a middle of the road schedule. Their positional needs: cornerback, wide receiver, linebacker, and they obviously did not really address the wide receiver position. They have the least cap space act- uh, actively in the NFL at just one point seven million, and their dead cap is nine point two, which is not too bad. The cap health stat, which we talked about earlier. Your top three players should constitute less than th- than 30% of your overall cap. It's healthy. It's 25%. That's a pretty strong, good number. It helps when you have a rookie quarterback. Lineups had their offense as 25th. So like I said, huge problem. And their defense is number two, so less of a huge problem. And because of how good their defense was, Pro Football Outsiders actually has their total DVOA as fourth. Their finish was the AFC wildcard, but they were blown out by the Bills, kind of ending the question, okay, who won the AFC East, was it the Bills or could it have been the Patriots? No, it was the Bills. Like, stop. The Bills were like, come on, guys, really? Uh, and so Zelo currently has the Patriots ranked as 21st, which is terrifying. Uh, and their record is actually losing. They'll be 8.3 and 8.7. So 9 and 8 or 8 and 9. Terrifying to think about for the Patriots because they they need to kind of prove that they can win without Brady, in my opinion. The head coach, it's Bill Belichick. And then the Patriots are kind of unique in that they don't have a listed offensive coordinator. It's sort of Joe Judge, emphasis on the sorta. He's just listed as an offensive specialist slash assistant. And they don't have a defensive coordinator because naturally that is kind of Bill Belichick. Right. And as uh, as Tony has noted in our show script, I typed in Belichick. Google changed it to Bekacek. And I don't know what a Bekacek is, but I'm assuming he's really good at what he does. <laughs> I think I think what we need to do is just refer to uh, Belichick as Bekacek for the rest of the episode. Well, does that mean we have to call him Bick Bekacek? I think it does. I think by the rules of uh, by the rules we just made up, it's it's Bick Bekacek. There we go. I love it. <laughs> Can't wait for someone to hop in live and and realize what are these what are these idiots doing? They're calling him Bick Bekacek. What are we, what are they doing? Um, okay, so let's let's dive into the analysis of the team that. Bick Bekacek has constructed. Did he construct a good one? I think that he's constructed a 
decent, semi-okay team. Uh, the Patriots are definitely still in kind of a prove-it period to the rest of the NFL. Last season, like we talked about, they had some very serious heat for a little bit. They were on a, a pretty big win streak. And then they kind of seemed to dissipate into mediocrity towards the end. Heading into the bye week, they were kind of sitting very nicely at 9-4. and four. Everybody was like, oh, so so maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't Brady. Maybe it's maybe this team is actually really good. And then they went to their bye week. I don't know what the heck happened, but then they lost the three of their last four. They ended up ten and seven, which hey, that's not terrible in the NFL. If you get double digit wins, that's not bad. But it is Beckacheck, and I still refuse to doubt him. <laughs> they didn't have any true blowout losses last season. That's something that I actually thought they might have. Uh, they kept it close with some really great teams. They took the Cowboys to overtime. Uh, the Patriots, I. I don't want to doubt them because on paper, if this were any other team and if they had any other coaching staff, I would doubt them because their actual roster is not anything particularly special on the offensive side. But I do think they did make a couple of pretty decent uh, additions this offseason. They made a pretty solid trade for Devontae Parker to kind of give Mac Jones somebody to throw to. Jacoby Myers and Kendrick Bourne were the only notable weapons that they really had last season in the past game. And it really wasn't enough when you're facing some of the NFL's elite defenses. Neither received a thousand yard season, or frankly, even got close. I think uh, Jacoby Myers had like 840 yards or something like that. So I, I do like that Devontae Parker's kind of brought in, bring in somebody else who maybe has a chance at a thousand yard season. But we all know that this Patriots team's not very, not very well built for the pass. Mostly built for the run. Then they had kind of an unusual draft. They used three of their ten total picks on various O-line pieces. They already had one of the best O-lines in the NFL last year, so I think they kind of put a little bit of stock into into the wrong place. They picked up a couple corners, which is definitely a need for them, but they waited until the third and fourth rounds to do so. So I think they could have done a whole lot better, and Mel seems to agree with me. He gave them a C-plus in the draft grade, and I think the defense is going to be really solid once again, and it's going to come down to if the offense can perform or not. Yeah, I find this team particularly confusing just because of, like Tony said, how their season ended. They were crowned when they beat the Bills in a wild Monday night football game. And that's why our the show's cover is the cover of that ESPN game where the Bills won 14, I mean, the Patriots won 14 to 10, were 9 and 4, while the Bills felt 7 and 5. And Mac Jones, God bless him, had two completions on three attempts for 19 yards. It just, it's truly incredible. It's truly beautiful. This team is something else sometimes. I don't know what the heck it is, but it's something. Yeah, well, just remember, Bill Ch- <laughs> Beckacek wore, um, wore a Navy mask to that game and then proceeded to run the ball like 30 times. So he's, he gave us all a hint of what the strategy was going to be, and we just weren't ready for it. As we were taken back into a time machine, like the night, football circuit of the 1950s. Yeah, it was definitely a blast from the past there. That was a really weird game to watch in 2021. It really was. And so then the Patriots uh, proceeded to lose to the Bills down the stretch and then proceeded to get blown out by the Bills in the playoffs, which was, I don't think, I don't think that was a shocking result as by what I mean. I don't think anyone was surprised that the Bills were going to win that game. It was the emphatic way in which they won that game that was just shocking. Um, so I expect the Patriots to be a playoff team, but it's going to be a wild card team at best. I don't think that they're better than the Bills, and I feel like that the playoffs really did show that because I feel like the Bills, as Tony kind of said, they got deeper, they got better, and I don't think the Patriots did. So turning to the skill positions, it's the weakest area for the team. The, like Tony said, the leading wide receiver was Jacoby Myers with just over 800 yards. 
That's laughable. And then looking at free agents, they didn't add to the unit. They they got Devontae Parker via a trade, but I don't. He was not particularly a standout in Miami. And so unless and just because it's Beckacheck, I think that I feel confident in saying, okay, this is Beckacheck. He can turn Devontae Parker into something. It's the only reason I'm not crushing the move. But other than that, I just I don't feel great about it. They did add Tyquan Thomas to the draft, but he's a rookie, and I don't think that the Patriots want their offense to rest on a rookie. Yeah, definitely not. This team is just kind of an enigma. Uh, I feel like they should be beating a lot of teams, but when we actually pull up the little win loss thing that we like to do, I'm sure it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, not as great as I am thinking. It'll be 500, I think. Um, so then, turning to the the Patriots' offensive line, I do like that they took a guard in the first round because they need to help fill out their offensive line. They they traded away Shaq Mason to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Ted Karras, I believe, went to the Bengals. I could be wrong, but they were both uh, 29, so they're under 30, a good age. They're rounding into form, and they played 87 and 75 percent of the snaps last season, respectively. Um, now, again, if it weren't Beckacheck, I would be really nervous. But I, I trust Beckacheck that he knows when players are kind of starting to decline. And so that's why he traded them away or let them walk in free agency. Um, and so the, the Patriots had a, a top 15 pass and rush blocking line. And I think Mac is going to need ideal conditions to be successful. So that's something to note. I think that there could be maybe a lack of, of cohesiveness, of, of unity, of chemistry early on in the season. And I think maybe Mac struggles a little bit go, uh, starting the season. Um, and then defensively, I think that the Patriots are going to miss Kyle Van Noy, but they should be able to manufacture a strong defense without him. Dante Hightower has yet to resign, but I'm confident he's going to do that with the Patriots. And then J.C. Jackson and the Chargers is worrisome. But again, I think that the Patriots are going to be okay defensively. I don't feel great about it, but it's Beckacek, and I think that Bick Beckacek is one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love Bick Beckacek. <laughs> <laughs> okay, do we want to do we want to grade Beckacheck against the schedule and see how our boy has done? Yeah, let's let's run him against the schedule. I'm curious. Oh, Beckacheck, I hope you do well. Okay, so at Miami. Wow, we're really starting off with a tough one. <laughs> I think I'm going to say loss. I want. I think Miami wins this one. I know Miami beat the Patriots, I believe, twice last season. Now, that was with Flores, and I feel like Flores just kind of knew Beckacheck, and so I think he had a good handle on what to expect from Beckacheck. But with the new guy, who we'll get into a little bit, I don't want to spoil the surprise. I I am just I, – I feel a little bit weird about putting a loss here, but let's let's try it, and we'll see. We'll, we'll, you know, we can come back and edit it later. So at Pittsburgh. Win. A win, yeah. No, Tony's not, a, not high on Pittsburgh at all. Baltimore. I, I want to say win. Oh, really? You're in? Yeah, I said that just because if I, you know, there have been times where Bakacek can just kind of erase players, and I feel like after we saw Flores it absolutely get erased by the Dolphins last last year, I feel like if there's a defense that I would like to recreate that, it'd be the, the Patriots. I guess that is true. Yeah, we'll we'll throw it in as a win. Okay, uh, at Green Bay, loss. Yeah, I figured as much. Detroit? Win. Okay, yeah. I feel what will be interesting is, I know you're really high on Detroit, but we've now given Detroit, I believe, two losses. So maybe the maybe we're not going to be that high on Detroit. At Cleveland, win, I'm assuming? Yeah, I think win. This is what, one, two, three, four, five, six weeks in? Yeah, win. Yeah, so he should definitely, if he's not suspended the whole season, I would imagine he'll definitely be suspended at this point. Chicago? 
Win. At the Jets. Win. Okay. Uh, home to Indianapolis. Home to Indy. Tag? I'm going to, yeah, I was leaning towards loss, but we can give them a tag. They're in the bye week in week 10, and then week 11, they get the Jets again. Win again. At Minnesota. Loss. Loss. Okay. I don't hate it. I actually like it without bubble screens. Okay, Buffalo. We had them losing uh, to Buffalo, I believe. Yeah, because they they split, right? Uh, No, I take it back. We had them, we had the the Patriots winning this one, but then losing in down the stretch. Yep, that's what it is. Okay, so that makes sense. We'll do that. Yep, we did that. Um, Okay, at Arizona. Arizona. That's a tough one because I don't really know what to expect from that team. Um, I say we tag it and come back to it. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, at the Raiders. At the Raiders. Um, I think that one's going to be a loss. I Oh, okay. This is interesting. I'm actually going to give it a win. Really? You're going to give it a win? I. This is Belichick I, against an assistant, or Becca check. I The team is so weird because every time I think the Raiders are going to be terrible and do awful, they end up doing okay, and now they've added Devontae, and I don't think that even though the the Patriots have a really, really solid defense one of the best mm-hmm. nobody can stop Devontae. it's just a matter of how Derek Carr is going to perform so but this is but this is Bick Bekacek against an assistant yeah but but I he doesn't have any people that are going to stop Devontae. I think Devontae is still one of the best receivers in the league it's just I, I it's just a matter of Derek Carr that's the only piece that I don't know <laughs> okay well, let's put it as a tag okay okay uh, home to Cincinnati this is another tough one because I have no idea what to expect from this team. I think Cincinnati's going to regress, but I don't think that the Patriots have necessarily gotten any better. But we can say it's a win. Okay. And then home to Miami. I think since we have them splitting, we should give the home to Miami to the Patriots. Tom, I think we've really screwed this up. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of green on here. <laughs> okay, yeah. So I think what we can do is we have three tags, so we have one left to play with. We can. I know we basically said the opposite about Baltimore and surprised each other with the results. So why don't we go and tag Baltimore? Okay, let's do that. All right. So as of right now, that is a grand total of four losses. Does that feel too low? That feels tremendously too low. But there's also a lot of like pretty fluff teams in here that they're playing. So I, I guess it does. Like you have. I guess Pittsburgh's not a fluff team, but like Detroit, Chicago, Jets twice. There's they kind of have a couple of bolstered. They have a little bit of an easier schedule than I expected, so I don't love it, but I don't hate it either. Yeah, no, I mean I I understand that. I feel like it's going. I, I like how we both said there's no way the Patriots are going to be good this year. It's because this and this and this and this, and then we proceed to both. Oh my, we really like the Patriots. Yeah, that's how it always goes. That's why we do this schedule breakdown because we always surprise ourselves. Uh, so we have them going eleven and six thanks to those tags. It's a nice even number. I don't hate that they're three games back of Buffalo. I feel like the thing we do is we tend to overestimate the teams we like and underestimate the teams we don't. And so then kind of you can basically just take a win off of every team we do. And so I think I feel like the Patriots being 11 and 6, 10 and 7, 9 and 8 is is roughly where we said again this is assuming that these tags go pretty favorably for them. Yeah, I guess I don't dislike it. 11 wins isn't too crazy. Yeah, I don't feel great about it. Don't get me wrong. Don't get, don't get it twisted. But I don't hate it. Well, what can you do? 
do the Dolphins, actually. There we go. Yeah, there's always there's always more content somewhere. You just got to <laughs> find it. Okay, so the the Dolphins got a B minus draft grade, so better than the Patriots, but worse than the Bills. Their power football index ranking is 21st, and their strength of schedule is 21st. So below average team playing a below average schedule. That's uh, I'm bummed because I'm really high on the Dolphins. Their positional needs going into the draft were an offensive line, a cornerback, and a linebacker. We'll see if they got to them. Their cap space they have plenty of room left to work. It helps when when you have a, a rookie quarterback not making a ton of money. They currently have 15.6 million in cap space, and they only have 8.5 in dead cap. Their cap health, I believe, is the best of the division which surprised me uh, that it wasn't the Jets. Their cap health is 17%, and their lineups ranking was 23rd offensively and 16th defensively. Their total DVOA was 25th. They missed the playoffs by about a game. I believe they were 9-8. and eight. Their Zelo record rank currently is 16th, and their record is 9.1 and 7.9. Their head coach is rookie head coach Mike McDaniel, with Frank Smith as the offensive coordinator and Josh Boyer as the defensive coordinator. All right. Fast facts with Tom. <laughs> Was there one that surprised you? I think that cap health surprised me, uh, just like you were talking about. That's With the players that they have just signed, 17% being in the top three players, I, I expect that to be a higher number. Yeah, I mean, I think what it is is that it's 17% and they still have $15 million in cap to work with. Yeah, it's this team could be very dangerous and they haven't even used everything that they have available to them. Yeah, I'll be curious to see if they really do any big add-ons, but I, I'm kind of skeptical. Same. Just because there's not anybody left. Okay. Um, so why don't why don't you take us through your thoughts, offensively speaking? So offensively, I think the Dolphins could actually be very good this year for once. They made a lot of very solid moves in free agency. And while they didn't draft particularly well, I still think that they're going to be a whole lot better this year just, you know, through those free agency names like Tyree Kill was obviously probably the biggest name ad that they that they uh, kind of pulled in. I think an underrated ad that they made was Raheem Mostert. Uh, I think those two guys are going to be extremely important. Tyreek, in the past, I've said Tyreek is not a guy that I super love as just a pure talent receiver. I really think he's just special because of his speed. And as we've discussed earlier, he may not even be the fastest guy in his own team anymore. Raheem Mostert has quietly been one of the fastest guys in the league for the past couple of years. Uh, so I do think that he could be a little bit of an overhyped guy. I think that Tyreek Hill was also very – he benefited a lot from the people around him. Obviously, you're going to benefit when you have Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. So I think that Tua is definitely going to be a downgrade even if he is a solid quarterback. But either way, these guys are going to be scary. Hill does have some issues with uh, his hands being a little iffy, it seems like, at the beginning of the season. He cost Mahomes a couple interceptions early in the season just off of balls going right through his hands to the to the defender. It, it happened more times than I think should just be. It happened enough times where I can't just overlook it. Uh, I am always going to be kind of thinking, like, is he going to do it again? Because that, that could be a very, very big problem with a guy that you just paid, you know, however much money they just paid him. So, I think that this is going to be a really solid team. They're going to be really feared. I think that Hill is going to be extremely feared. And even if he's not really getting the ball, it's Tyreek Hill. He has a lot of name value. He's going to be pulling a lot of attention from defenses. Defenses are going to be covering him, which is going to free up a lot of other people. And I do think that Raheem Moster is going to be awesome. He's kind of a big... He's going to be a really, really solid pass and run threat. And he's averaged... Let me say that one more time. Averaged... 
5.7 yards per attempt over his entire career. That is an unbelievable number, and I really think that he could boom tremendously this season. Yeah, I think what's going to really benefit is that he's coming from the 49ers to a, a coach who's going to most likely be using that 49ers system, which, you know, to the dismay of Dolphin fans is going to prolong the Tua question because we've seen Jimmy Garoppolo do well and even thrive in that 49ers system, but they drafted his replacement by like giving up dramatic draft capital to move up to third overall to take his replacement and then proceeded to then get to an NFC championship game with him. So you have no idea if Jimmy G is it or not. And I think, you know, the verdict is kind of now he's not. And so he's, you know, he's going to go out, but that's the system that made Jimmy G get to a Super Bowl. And if not for Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill and a play called Wasp, you know, the, the, the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs would probably lose that game to Jimmy Garoppolo. And we're sitting here talking about Jimmy G having made two conference championships and winning a Super Bowl, which would be a crazy alternate universe to live in. But regardless of all that, it's go, I think it's going to make, uh, I think it's going to make Tua into a good quarterback, at least. I don't think, again, not a perennial MVP candidate, but a quarterback who is serviceable, and that's kind of the biggest thing. I feel like it's it's Brian Flores' greatest weakness as a coach was the offensive side of the ball. He could never find an offensive coordinator, and so I think the Dolphins went through a couple coordinators in his last season with Flores, and it just I think that hurt Tua. It also, you know, the, the offensive line also hurt Tua, and I do think that they've done a decent job of addressing that. We'll get into it in a second. Um, so yeah, Tua obviously is going to be the quarterback, but I think that Tyreek Hill is going to be a dynamic threat. I do think he's going to be limited, like Tony said, because Tua is a bit of a drop-off, and so I don't think he's the Mahomes type where he can just sling it down the field with pinpoint accuracy, but Hill's gravity is going to be so massive that we're going to see coverages dictated by where Hill is, and I think it's going to be helped by the fact that the Dolphins added like Cedric Wilson. He's a good, cheaper Devontae Parker substitute, and I really love the running back addition, Sony Michelle, Chase Edmonds, of course, Raheem Mostert. I feel like if Raheem Mostert or maybe Chase Edmonds, depending on who you, you like the least, is your third best running back, you are going to have a really good running back room. And so it makes me incredibly excited. Um, I think what's going to hold them back is their offensive line. The Dolphins didn't have a lot of, of trade capital. So the worst unit in the NFL did at least add Connor Williams from Dallas and Tarrant Armstead from the Saints, so two left tackles, so I expect them to have at least a good left tackle, and that doesn't matter because Tua uh, is, a, is a left-handed quarterback, I believe, so he throws kind of opposite, so the left tackle doesn't matter as much. Um, I still expect the, the line to be below average, but I think the new scheme is going to improve it more than the new pieces did, and I think the new pieces are going to benefit it just a little bit. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that they've made a lot of really, really solid additions this offseason. I do think that the only real question mark that I have about this team, not even so much Tua, I think that he's going to be fairly solid. Uh, I think he's going to be good enough for right now. My only real question mark is, you know, this coaching staff who they've brought in. We have no idea how they're going to be with these players, what, how, what they're going to do with this new system they're bringing in. We just don't know, and only time will tell. Yeah, it's a small concern, the coaching staff. And so it's actually my biggest concern is the Dolphins' defense. I trust that this offense is going to look good down the stretch of the season. I think it's going to have growing pains in the first couple of weeks. But then again, what offense doesn't have some serious growing pains? Um, But, you know, it's the defense. Because Brian Flores really coached that defense in the back half of the season and it returned to form, and it was really good down the stretch. I believe they were 1-7 and seven and then did it and then turned around and were 7-1. That's a pretty good streak. Um, so I think he, 
I think that their addition of Melvin Ingram on the edge is going to be really good because he was so impactful with the Chiefs. And I think he's going to help the Dolphins. But other than that, the Dolphins defense is returning personnel-wise. So again, like Tony said, it's really up on to the coaching staff to make the adjustments and corrections that Flores made last season and to make, you know, continued adjustments as they as they face new opponents. So the capability, I feel like, is there for the Dolphins, and it's why I took them over the Patriots, because I feel better about the, the, the Dolphins' defense being improved and the Dolphins' offense taking a huge leap than I do the Patriots' offense taking a huge leap because I feel like the Dolphins already have the tools in place defensively to be good and have acquired a lot of tools offensively to be really good. Yeah, I do think that one thing to be really optimistic about with that Dolphins' defense is looking at, and this is something that Tom doesn't particularly love, but looking at lineups, uh, the way that lineups works is they give every they take all the stats of every you know every team and all the different uh, categories that they have broken down, and then based off of those stats they make ranks, and based off of those ranks they then color code it. The more the, the darker green you are, the better you are. The the then it goes like a yellow, then an orange, then a red. The Dolphins actually are as of right now over last season are listed as 16th overall in the NFL. That's you know, there's 32 teams, so that's dead even right in the middle, pretty much the perfect average. What's really, really good about that, though, is they are one of the few teams that were not red in any category. They were only really solid green in some areas. They had some yellow and a little bit of orange, but every pretty much every other team, except for like the top three, had one area that where they were just really bad, whereas the Dolphins were just pretty decent everywhere. So there's a lot that they can build off of, and it seems like they have a decent amount of this stuff figured out. They're just going to keep growing, and I think that they're going to get better because of it. Yeah, I would like to think that the Dolphins are going to be a, a firmly good defense. I just don't know. I don't want to like hedge a bet on it because as we saw with Washington last year, defenses is not is not a yearly turnover. It is probably one of the more inconsistent things because, you know, a huge part of what makes a defense great is the ability to get turnovers. And turnovers are an incredibly inconsistent, wonky kind of number that results from, you know, with interceptions, it really is just kind of a matter of being in the right place at the right time. In, in a lot of cases, or with Tyreek Hill, it's Tyreek Hill deflecting a ball and a Chargers defender is there to pick it off. Or with fumbles, it just, you know, if you played Daniel Jones that year, you probably got a lot of fumbles. Sorry, Daniel Jones, I did not mean to hit you with that drive-by, uh, even though I definitely just nailed you with the drive-by. <laughs> Okay, so let's do their schedule, and then we can move on to the Jets. So right now, we have the Dolphins opening the season with a win. I'm already regretting it. I feel terribly about it. (laughs) I have so many questions for myself. But I do think that maybe the Dolphins just being a new look is going to help because there's not going to be a ton of tape on what their offense is going to look like. So it's the only thing that gives me hope that that prediction holds true. And I made that prediction 10 minutes ago. So you can see how well these age. Um, (laughs) In week two, the Dolphins are at Baltimore. How do we feel about that? At Baltimore. I'm putting it as a loss in my book. You're putting it as a loss. Okay, so... The book of Tom. This is... But this is so weird, though, because this is where it starts to get really interesting. Because in the Patriots, we said, okay, you said it's going to be a win. I said it was going to be a loss. So we ended up just just straight up putting it as a as a tag. But now it's the Dolphins, who at the beginning of the show, we said we're going to be better than the Patriots, and now we have it as a loss. I know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but I just, I feel like the the Ravens are going to be good from a health perspective, and I feel like Lamar is going to do well against the Dolphins who don't have, who don't have Brian Flores there to coach them, 
And so I'm just scared because Lamar is such a unique threat so early on in the season. I'm scared that because he's going to, he should guarantee, he should be guaranteed to be healthy. I don't know if the Dolphins can handle that. And I think that the Ravens defense is going to be able to shut down the, the, you know, this is where I expect the, the Dolphins to be on the struggle bus offensively. Ah, that's true. With all these new additions, it could take a couple weeks for them to actually get into a good game sense. So yeah, I guess it would make sense that Baltimore could win this one. Yeah, so we have them one and two. So ladies and gentlemen, we open the show by telling you that Dolphins will be better than the Patriots, and through three weeks, the Patriots are definitely better than the Dolphins. (laughs) The Touchdown Rundown, where you can find all the stupid wisdom we have to offer. Okay, so week four, the Dolphins are on the road at Cincinnati. How do we feel about that? I think the Dolphins are going to kind of struggle to open up the season. So are we giving them a loss? They have so many new pieces. There's going to be a lot of things to get used to. I think that this could be a loss. If at best I want to tag it, but I think it could realistically be a loss. I like tagging it just because we haven't used a whole lot of tags um, for the Dolphins, obviously, yet, and we're about a quarter of the way through. At the Jets, I'm assuming we're going to chalk it up as a win. That's a win. Minnesota, home to Minnesota. Loss. Yeah, it pains me to say it. We're going to... You've joined me on the the Vikings are going to be really good this season, Train Tony, and they're going to disappoint you every time they can. I always want to believe in the Vikings, but they're always just they always end up blowing it. But new coaches, so we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. No bubble screens. Okay, Pittsburgh win, win. Yeah, I, I figured as much. At Detroit win. Sorry, man, Campbell. <laughs> I know we I know we both said we believed in you, but sorry. At Chicago win. I I might go to that game honestly. That could, that would be a really good game. It would be okay. Cleveland. Um. <laughs> that is the exact. That's the that that is the most appropriate noise for that game. It's like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like the Dolphins have the the Dolphins have the potential to be really good on offense, but they could also be really struggling at this point. And who in the heck knows what Deshaun Watson is doing? So, uh. Yeah. Anything with Cleveland. <laughs> too many moving pieces to really know i feel like 17 tags i feel like that's the noise tony that we should have saved that we could play during the show whenever we want to tag it (laughs) yeah because it's just so appropriate i i think that for cleveland we should have 17 tags all year long including the bye week i think we should just have cleveland going oh and 17 and then we should have uh, i don't i don't oh it's so weird i don't like cleveland (laughs) I don't either. I'm so confused by Cleveland. I, the morality confuses me, and now the football confuses me. Okay, Houston. Win. Yeah, I figured as much. Okay, uh, the 49ers. Loss. Oof. Yeah, I agree. I think It's going to depend on Trey Lance, though. True. I think apprentice meeting master results in a loss. Yeah, I... More often than not, I think the Niners are a more overall better team. I think that the the, the Niners are really what the Dolphins want to be. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's true. They should be the, the Niners of the East. At Los Angeles. Loss. I figured. At Green Bay. Loss. Uh, we already gave at New England a loss, and so we'll close the season home to the Jets. I'm assuming we're going to give them a win. Yep, that's going to be a win. Oh my, I believe we've just crafted a beautifully below 500 season. (laughs) Well, we only gave him two tags. Eight, so nine, so nine and eight. 
I think so. I'm so confused on so many levels. So we gave we gave Miami. Well, that's the weird thing though is I think that the I think the the Dolphins are the are better than the Patriots, but I think the Patriots got a couple more little fluff games in their schedule, like maybe by one or two. And we also did use a lot more tags on the Patriots. So yeah, I mean we can go back and retroactively add tags as we are are often want to do. I mean, if we're going to add a tag, we should probably tag Baltimore at the beginning there. Yeah, we can. We can go. Let me make that adjustment. Is there another team you want to tag, or you want to just hold on to it and only have used three? So the Dolphins. The only other game that I guess I would tag is really I would. I guess really none of them. The Dolphins have a little bit more cut and dry schedule, and a lot of these teams are like, "This is I definitely think a win, or I definitely think a loss." The Patriots had a lot more kind of up in the air games like Indianapolis for example if they if if the Dolphins were playing Indianapolis I would tag that one the Patriots are playing Indianapolis I tag that one so it's just it's weird but I I think that we're okay I'm okay with three tags for the Dolphins yeah no I agree okay so we have the 9.5 win Dolphins so they're two behind one I guess they're one and a half behind the Patriots and a good whopping four wins behind the Bills yeah, maybe the maybe the Dolphins maybe the Dolphins aren't better than the Patriots. I feel like why it's so hard to pinpoint how we feel about the Dolphins is just because they're they have more questions and I feel like with the certainty we run towards the certainty with the Patriots and say it's Bick Bella bitch. It's what was his last name? Bick <laughs> Yeah, Bick Bickacheck. Uh we trust him, and there's more certainty surrounding the Patriots. Whereas with the Dolphins, it's just pure unadulterated confusion, and so we get we with the confusion, we doubt them a little bit more. And so I think that's probably the the biggest difference in the record. Yeah, that's there's just there's a lot we don't know about because the coaching staff is so important for me. Uh, it it really just it it makes or breaks every single team the coaching staff. So I think that if the coaching staff is the red flag or not the red flag, the question mark, I just can't definitively say I like this team or I don't like this team. Even if the roster is good, the coaching staff could ruin it. That's pretty much what we've seen with the Vikings for the past couple years. Yeah. I mean, if we get a 49ers offense coupled with a horrible defense, like they're not going to be a very good team and they'll be 500 or we get the 49ers offense and the 49ers defense and they're a really good team it's like those both feel fairly equally likely like i have no idea so that's probably like like we said the question but guys once again we have done it we have done it incredibly well we took a team that we said was better than one team and we somehow made them worse with the schedule it's why it is like tony said as much as i joke it is why we do the exercise yeah, now let's do the Jets where we have them somehow going like twelve and five or something. Twelve. And I can't. I can't wait. So last season, for you new to the show, we went all in on the Chargers. I'm wearing my Chargers hat right now. Theater of the mind, as I do every day. Tony, I know you bought one. Are you wearing it right now? Mine is in the mail. It's still coming. Fanatics it's in the mail. Yeah, fanatics. Fan- I love fanatics, but the, the 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 trophy hat I won from Tony took like a month to get here. So I understand how slow they are. For for uh, theater of the mind, let's say you're wearing it right now. We went all in on the Chargers, and we said Justin Herbert could be an MVP candidate, and they could just practically win the Super Bowl. They're that we think they're that good. I can't wait till we do the same thing with the Jets. Yep, let's do it. Okay, so their current 
grade is in A. Their current PFI rank is 31st. And, you know, again, that is largely based off of their performance last season. So that'll adjust as the season goes. So their strength of schedule is 17th. Their positional needs were defensive back, offensive line, and wide receiver. And they did really good on the, on all of those accounts. That's why they have an A. Their cap space is almost 10 million and their dead cap is only 2.1 million with their cap health being 27%. Their lineups rankings last year, 23rd on offense and 32nd on defense. Woof. Uh, their total DVOA, that's the football outsiders metric, was 26, and they missed the playoffs with, I believe, a top overall. Uh, it was three, right, Tony? One more time, we lost you there for a second time. Oh, they, they picked third this year, right? I believe so, yeah. That is improvement, technically, by the definition of improvement, because they picked second the year before. So it congratulations, is. Jets. Yeah, only 32 more years before you're the best in the league or something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's, I feel like that's pretty right. Okay, so they finished, they missed the playoffs. Their current Zelo rank is 28th, and their projected record is 7.2 and 9.8. So the Zelo is expecting a huge jump from them. Their head coach is Robert Sala. He was, I believe, from the 49ers and is a defensive-minded coach. They have the offensive coordinator in Mike Lefleur, and their defensive coordinator is Jeff Ulbrich. All right, awesome. Yeah, so those are those are Tom's fast facts. There you go. Do you want to kick off the analysis, Tony? Let's go ahead and do it. All right. So the kind of like the big one of the big stories after the draft ended was how well the Jets did, which is something that we haven't heard in a long time. But for once they are actually giving their fans a reason to be somewhat excited for this year. I think that they've done their part in helping Zach Wilson as much as they can, um, with how many picks they had and the money that they have available to them. So even though they did lose Jameson Crowder, who I think was definitely a key player for uh, that team, he wasn't, you know, like wide receiver one in the league, but you know, it's the Jets. So a wide receiver three and a standard team is pretty decent for them. I don't think that they necessarily should have traded him away, but I do think that they addressed a ton of stuff through free agency in the draft. And now I would really like to see them uh, sign a lineman or two to start protecting Wilson. That O-line allowed 53 sacks last season, which is good for fourth worst in the NFL. They didn't do a whole lot to fix it. Granted, they did have holes everywhere else, so you can't fix everything all at once. So I do understand that. Defensively, I do think this team ended up being the worst overall unit in the NFL overall last season, according to lineups. They were abysmal in every single category, which is weird because through the first six weeks, I don't know if you remember this or not, Tom, but I was looking at lineups, and they were actually like, average they were almost top 15 in the nfl early in the season and i I remember i texted you about it we were both like well that's really weird i wonder what the heck happened and then they went and they 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 became the jets and they just went to the absolute worst team ever so they made some solid additions and drafted well on the defensive side i don't think it's going to be enough to make this a good team anytime soon something that i always like to say is just because these guys were good in college does not mean anything in the nfl they all have to prove themselves so you know they had a quote-unquote really good draft but all of these guys could be bust and it could go down as a terrible draft we don't know but on paper right now so far they seem to be moving in the right direction yeah on paper they definitely should be moving in the correct direction so right now New York had a lot of good assets, and they got the the team in good shape offensively. Lafleur, I think he'll be a solid OC, and I think that the one thing that Tony didn't touch on were the additions of of the tight ends Conklin and then CJ Uzma. I think those two are going to be dynamic tight ends threats. I think that those two Conklin, of course, I believe came from the Vikings, and Uzma came from the the Bengals. Um, I believe that those guys are going to be 
absolutely dynamic together. I think that is a great duo, and I think it's going to complement Garrett Wilson because I do think that those are three particularly good pass-catching threats. And you know what? I know they lost Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder. I'm not going to weep over it, especially because they added Wilson. It's not like they lost those two guys and then just didn't replace them with anyone like the Patriots kind of where they just don't have a good they don't have like a signature number one wide receiver that really makes you scared right now I think Garrett Wilson has the potential to make you absolutely scared combined with Conklin and Uzma that's a lot of targets to go around I do worry about the offensive line they added Max Mitchell in the draft but he's a fourth round tackle and I don't think he's going to have a huge impact immediately they did add Lakin Tomlinson and Nate Herberg at guard so they might see some improvement they were a slightly below average pass blocking team and one of if not the worst run blocking teams in the NFL. Now, I do think that the pass blocking, they should improve. They should probably improve, improve as a run blocking team. And I think they're going to have the weapons. My biggest concern is Zach Wilson. I have never seen him as a franchise quarterback. And I was flabbergasted when he just shot up the charts. I don't really see a whole lot of potential in him personally. And I will maintain that the Jets made the wrong pick last season. And as I like to say, I'm never rooting against you. I am just, you know, I'm always rooting for you but I am going to use my best judgment into make analysis. And sometimes, unfortunately, and a lot, very often with Jets quarterbacks, see Sam Darnold, that means I'm rooting against, uh, not rooting against you, but I am picking against you. It's nothing personal. It's just, I don't think that Zach Wilson has the potential to be a perennial MVP player that, that takes you to the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. There definitely is some concern there, but it's kind of like the, uh, as you know, all too well, the Sam Darnold situation where, Yes, he might not be a great quarterback, but yes, he's also on the Jets. So the Jets are actually starting to look like they're making some moves in the right direction. So if uh, if Wilson can step up accordingly and do just a little bit better with the guys that have been added, I will have a little bit of signs of optimism of, oh, well, maybe he would be decent if he had the right pieces around him. But we'll, you know, only time will tell, and who knows how these guys are actually going to end up helping the team. No, I mean, certainly I think he's beginning to get the pieces and, you know, uh, I don't want to evaluate and make a judgment on a guy inside of his first three years, but I believe it was Daryl Morey of the the Houston Rockets who said, you know what a player is in his first three years and you know, like the potential he has in his first three years. And so as we progress along Zach Wilson, I feel like I just, I didn't see enough from him last year to make me confident. And I, I think that we're going to see that continue. Now, I do think that the, I don't want to make a judgment yet because the offensive line is so bad, but he now has some of the weapons. And so I think that the offense is starting to take shape and what we can reasonably expect from Zach Wilson is going to start emerging this season. Yeah, we'll definitely see. I'm, I'm very interested to see how he, how he's able to kind of step up with the new pieces they've given him. Yeah. All right. So hopping over to the defense. So I think they made good defensive additions in free agency. So they got Jacob uh, Martin and Solomon Thomas on the edge. They should be some good contributors. And they spent their third first round pick on Jermaine Johnson, a DE. And I, I do like that as a pass rushing threat. And in the secondary, they uh, they they added DJ Reed and Jordan Whitehead. So they should take a step up defensively. And then, of course, Sauce Gardner the great defensive piece. So I do, I am genuinely excited to see as this defense kind of takes shape. I actually, because Sala is a defensive minded coach and because he coached the 49ers defense, which is an incredible defense. I'm expecting the jets to actually make a better leap defensively this season. So I would expect the, the jets defense to probably because they were a pretty terrible unit last year. I would expect that they should be an average unit this year, which will be a huge victory for the jets. Absolutely. Pretty much anything is a step up. Yeah, so I'm 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 expecting the Jets to take some steps forward, mainly defensively, 
And even if they are going to take steps forward, it's not going to be the massive leap that puts them in the playoffs. But I do like the direction that they're going in, which is crazy because I don't think I've said that ever about the Jets in recorded human history. Yep. Yeah, okay. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Let's do the Jets schedule. All right, let's do it. All right, home against Baltimore in the opener. Loss. At Cleveland. Loss. Tag. Really? Uh, I thought that was the bit we were doing, is we're just going to tag everything Cleveland. Oh, right. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tag. <laughs> All right. Home to Cincinnati. Loss. Yeah, I feel like it's fair. At Pittsburgh? I'm going to say loss, just because de- I do think that defense, that Steelers defense, while I don't think is top five, is going to be good enough to do what they can against the Jets with how many rookies they have. Fair enough. I absolutely did think you were going to say tag just because of how much you sold on the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Okay, so at Green Bay, because in week in week five, we already have them losing to Miami. Mm-hmm. At Green Bay, has got to be a loss. Yeah, unfortunately. At Denver. At Denver, loss. I like how you hesitated even though they are like a, a Super Bowl favorite, according to kind of just everybody who loves no, Russell Wilson. Not a Super Bowl favorite. Yeah. Okay. To, uh, we should we should add, we should clip that and aggregate it. Tony says uh, Russell Wilson is not a Super Bowl favorite. Let's see if we can get it going virtual or viral. Yeah. Ew. First round out. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, Buffalo. We have them, of course, losing at, even if they're home to Buffalo. Sorry. And they're on their bye in Week Ten, and then they pick it up by losing to New England in Week Eleven. Mm-hmm. So I'm starting to think, as much as we were optimistic about the Jets, they're not going to do very good. They kind of just have a little bit of a tough schedule, honestly. Yeah, I don't think, unfortunately for the Jets, like if you go if you go back and remember the fast facts we did, their strength of schedule is 17th. Even just because they have an average schedule, I just think that they're going to perform below average because they are a below average team. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's just tough for him because I do think that they're – I don't think they're the worst team in the league. Like, if they were to play the Jags, I would say they beat the Jags. But there's not many other teams that I think that they beat consistently. What I think is going to happen is that the Jets are going to make improvements, like, by their play, even if on paper and record-wise they don't. But I do expect them in to, in Week 12, beat Chicago. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. Then, assuming you're going to take, take it as a loss? Yep, that's got to be a loss. Buffalo, that's got to be a loss. Well, yeah, we already have them pa- tagged as a loss. Yeah. Detroit? Detroit, I think, is a loss. I think Detroit beats the Jets. I'm going to tag it. Yeah, I think that's. I guess that's fair. Just because we only have used two tags, and we're about to have them, like, going 1-16. in 16. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise. Jags, win. All right. Yeah, I was going to say, as you said earlier, they play the Jags, so that's a win. I'm going to take them to win Se- against Seattle. Really? I don't trust Seattle. Okay, but I I don't know. I don't like tagging Detroit and then saying they beat Seattle. I think Detroit will be better than Seattle. Seattle has like Seattle does not have a lot going on for it. It has Drew Locke. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think Detroit is going to be better than Seattle. I think that Detroit I think Detroit would be a solid win and then Seattle would be the tag just cuz I think Seattle's going to be the worst team. So no, I'm saying no for for the Jets. I'm saying I don't know how to feel about Detroit, but I feel like they're the the Seahawks are absolutely going to lose to the Jets. 
I think we I think we definitely both agree that Seattle's losing to the Jets, which is such a weird statement. Yes. Yeah, we it is. Keep, we'll keep Detroit as a tag. I think I would have them as a win, but I can I understand the tag. Miami right. Miami we had them losing. Losing to Miami twice, right? Yeah, unfortunately for the Jets, we we have them getting swept by their division, which is okay. I don't think a crazy take. No, I think that's fair. Which then puts them at four and a half wins. Yikes! I mean, hey, it's the Jets. All things considered, you know how this team has been. How many wins did they have last year? Three, I think. Yeah. So hey, this is an upgrade. Four and a half wins. Good job, guys. I don't think it's four and a half. I think we gave them two tags. Well, we we have three solid wins and then two tags. That's half a win, right? At, or yeah. Four. Okay, never mind. That's four. So we have from four and thirteen. Are there four. other games that we can go in and tag that we maybe maybe are more toss up than we're thinking, or do we kind of like where we're at? I think if we were to tag anything, I would personally tag Pittsburgh. But I, I'm going to tag Pittsburgh. I thought that that was a tag worthy take. Yeah. Okay. So we tag Pittsburgh. Now it's four and a half. That's not too bad, guys. Yeah, it's a little bit better. I mean, look, being four and a half and twelve point five, it's improvement, but it's you know what? I think that the moral of this is that the Jets improved; they just will not improve by dramatically by their record. Yeah, they're trending in the right direction, and you know it's a tag, so we're only giving it half a point now. But if all of those tags go in the right direction, this could be a six-win team. That's pretty good. Yeah, no, it is for the Jets, definitely. Okay, so. Thank you guys for listening. That is the conclusion of the AFC East deep dive. And so, you know, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We'll figure out what division we're going to do and then do a little announcement. But if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like, please give us a follow and, you know, come hang out with us on Colin. We really enjoy doing these and we're going to have hopefully maybe a mailbag segment at some point this summer and try to take a bunch of calls from listeners. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. All right. Take care, guys.